Hello again, welcome to another episode of the Iranian Market Minute. Today is Friday, September 23rd, and this is episode number 188. My name is Justin Hune. I am your host. I'm the founder and publisher of the Uranium Insider Pro newsletter, the only investing newsletter that focuses solely on uranium, finds the best risk-reward investment opportunities in the space, and publishes on a regular monthly basis. As always, nothing that you see or hear in this podcast is intended to be investing advice. I'm not your financial advisor. This is not financial advice. Please always do your own due diligence when it comes to investing. And always take responsibility for your own choices. All right, good to be back with you again. Uh, pretty uh, a lot of carnage out there in the markets today, especially the currency markets. The Dow and metals and commodities just got absolutely smoked today with a with a dollar that is just up on stilts, um, and the currencies uh, relative to the dollar just absolutely crashing. Pretty crazy day in the markets today. We'll go over the charts in just a second. The daily scoreboard is going to be pretty minimal. Uh, not a whole lot to report there. Uh, in the mailbag section, I want to discuss kind of some thoughts on the situation in Kazakhstan, just kind of the fragility of this market. Uh, before we do that, let's go ahead and jump right into the daily scoreboard here. Spot price of uranium slightly down, uh, $49 a pound mid-market, down on nothing, 25 cents a pound on very low volume. Spot did not raise any cash, didn't uh, buy any uranium. Their discounts nav widened to just under 10% at the close of yesterday. They traded down significantly today with a major risk-off environment across uh, the commodities markets. Um, they're probably pushing a 13 14% discount to nav at this point. They have $17.8 million cash in their treasury. They're not going to spend any of that. They need to raise more cash before they buy any more uranium at this point. No changes in outstanding shares in URA nor URNM. Yesterday, the uranium sector sagged a bit as a broad market reacting negatively to how fast interest rates are rising, unstable currency markets. And today, while well, we know what today happened, equities fall, fell very sharply with this currency mayhem and a soaring dollar. On that note, why don't we look at the charts? URA down almost 7% on the day, 6.68% on the day on pretty big volume here. So this is definitely some motivated selling with this major risk off market event that we just experienced today. URA definitely, uh, it closed below the lows of August, still decently above the lows of the summer. Will we see more risk off at this point? I'm not sure. I did want to highlight here on days like this, what I like to do is zoom out to get a little bit more perspective. If you're focusing on the daily chart or even shorter time frames than that, trying to watch uh, the hour to hour ticks. This is one of those days where if you're long and you plan to be long for years, you just kind of walk away from the screens. But because I'm doing this podcast, I'd like to take a little bit closer look at the charts. And I wanted to look at the previous times in the past two and a half years or so where we were at this level, level of oversold on the relative strength index or lower. And just kind of highlight when we get this low in the RSI, generally speaking, typically, that does get pretty darn close to a, to a recent low and has been historically a pretty good buying opportunity. I think that this is probably no exception, although it's certainly there's so much fear in the markets. We could see some further weakness next week. Either way, as I've stated over the past two months, with as, as positive as the fundamentals are for this sector, um, any risk off environment that the broad market tends to give us, if we do end up being coupled with that, don't waste that opportunity. And that feeling has absolutely not changed. So I started to deploy a, bit, a little bit of cash today. Um, I, ha I have a little bit more that I'm saving. I still have a, an S&P short on. So if we see a little bit more risk off, I think uh, I'll definitely get more aggressive. But today, I certainly saw some bargains out there and I couldn't help myself. URNM relative to the commodity itself, 
trading down pretty heavily. We're still well above the lows of July and the lows prior to the bull market beginning itself. Still pretty ugly day. We certainly filled that gap from a couple of weeks ago. Not really any support to speak of before we get back down to this horizontal line of support that uh, was resistance prior to the bull market. We broke through in the bull market and settled back down near that twice over the past summer. If we see further risk off, I'm telling you these things can't get a whole lot cheaper relative to the metal itself. And uh, you shouldn't waste that opportunity if you are long and strong and uh, bullish on this fundamental setup for the commodity going forward. Cameco down a little over 6%. Saw some pretty strong dip buying today right near that rising 200 day. Uh, below this, not a whole lot of support before we get down to this trend line. As I noted yesterday, this, this trend line support line has been hit many times in the past two years. If we go a bit lower here, it's just a screaming buy. All things considered, Cameco really is sitting in the catbird seat with this bifurcated market. I'm going to speak on that shortly um, in the mailbag section. URA relative to the S&P falling down a bit more today, getting closer to that trend line that we've hit or traded around multiple times during moments where the market pulls back since the bull market took off in, in a, a December of 2020. We pulled back last summer, pulled back uh, early this year, late January, early February, pulled back again over this summer, actually made an undercut low. We got this gap to fill. Will we fill that gap? Not really sure. We'll have to see going forward. Sprott uh, Physical Uranium Trust traded down over 4% on the day with the, with the commodity actually trading slightly down. So we're probably, like I said, somewhere in that 13 or 14% discount to NAV. Historically speaking, that is a very, very large discount to NAV and typically has presented a strong opportunity to buy and uh, position yourself by purchasing uranium cheaper than you could in the spot market. All right, mailbag section. So I want to talk about Kazakhstan a little bit here and uh, the fragility of this market. So something that I've spoken about, and I, I spoke about this back in January about the fragility of the market when we had that unrest in Kazakhstan um, over the uh, gas prices that uh, they had a price cap on those prices and pulled the price cap, the prices skyrocketed, the people revolted. That was the mainstream story anyways. And uh, the unrest was getting pretty bad in the country. And of course, uh, Russia and Belarusian troops came to the rescue. Now. Kazakhstan is part of the CSTO, Collective Security Treaty Organization. It's an intergovernmental military alliance, okay? Armenia, Belarus, Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, Russia, and Tajikistan. And I think that's important to understand because uh, just a, you know eight, nine short months ago, we had Russia come to the rescue of this unrest in Kazakhstan. And now we're in the situation where Russia has this military operation in Ukraine, and Kazakhstan is not offering assistance. In fact, they're kind of planting their flag saying they don't support what's going on. Not only that, you had last week or possibly the week before, within the last two weeks, Xi Jinping, the premier of China, visited Kazakhstan and made a public statement essentially saying China supports the sovereignty of Kazakhstan. Now we have Kazakhstan. Now, Kazakhstan is uh, a very, very large country. They share the longest uh, land border with Russia. And uh, it's a very important country for um, commodities production, right? Obviously, they're a huge oil exporter. They have a massive, massive oil export uh, business, essentially, that is much larger than uranium. But uranium has a unique import to uh, China. China is clearly going all out building nuclear reactors. Okay, they're building between six and eight, possibly up to 10 per year. 
Um, I think there's about a dozen under construction at the moment off the top of my head. Uh, they have, uh, there's, there's 50 something in the world. Oh no, there's more than a dozen in China under construction, 50 something in the world under construction. And, uh, you know, a, a strong minority of those are in China. So China is going all out nuclear and China has very, very little actual uranium production. So they need to secure that. Now they have, um, CGN has the Husab mine in Namibia. There's a Chinese company that has, I can't remember if it's CGN or CNNC that has a minority stake in Paladin's Langer Heinrich and an offtake from that. They have JVs in Kazakhstan and they own a, a share of fission uranium in uh, Saskatchewan, which is probably unlikely to produce for a very, very long time, if ever, um, a PLS project. And so you have a country that's going all out nuclear that's sitting on a decent amount of inventory, but has essentially very, very little, if any, uranium production in country. So my speculation here is that China is planting its flag in Kazakhstan right now, offering support, basically saying Kazakhstan wants to stay out of what's going on in Russia. We support them in that. That's a really big deal in my opinion. Okay. And why is that a big deal for the Iranian market? Because that's what we're discussing here in this podcast. Kazakhstan produces 40% of the, of the world's uranium. That is a huge, huge uh, important and supplier for such a very crucial element. And the situation there is fragile. I, I don't really know how else to describe it other than fragile. So we've been talking about the transportation issues. And again, I'm not saying my Kazakhstan, Kazadam uh, Prombear, I'm definitely not. I think the company has done about as good a job as they could given all these circumstances. And I, I really like Askar Baderbaev. I think he's a very sharp individual. I think he's very honest, very, um, reputable. And I, I think he's doing a fantastic job with the cards that he's being dealt geopolitically. But with such a huge supplier, um, this is a crucial, crucial supplier of uranium to the West. Okay. We're talking to Europe and to the US. Now we've already discussed ad nauseum, how tight the conversion and the enrichment markets have gotten to the West with the West voluntary, voluntarily cutting themselves off from Russia. I'm not going to speculate on whether or not that will officially be cut off either by Russia in their exports or by the US or the EU actually officially cutting them off. Now, physically, they can't really do that right now. We don't yet have the enrichment capacity in the in the West to just stop and immediately cut off deliveries of EUP from Russia. That'll be very, very difficult to, new, to do. Now, we've seen that the DOE in the United States is trying to secure a supply chain of uh, increased amount of EUP in the United States. Um, the DOE potentially will become a buyer of low enriched uranium and HALU, and that will go to support an increased capacity of SWU in the United States. Right now, there's 4.7 million SWU in the US. That's Uranco's facility. Not enough to supply the United States with their own supply chain. Now, the United States has uranium. They have a lot of uranium and the ability to produce enough uranium if they really got their act together. But we're talking you know, a, a consumption of 45 to 50 million pounds a year. That's a large ask for the United States uranium industry. I don't think that we're going to be able to get our uranium industry um, up and running to produce that amount. But we can rely on Australia. We can rely on Namibia. We can rely on Canada, of course, our neighbor to the north. And historically speaking, we have been able to rely on Kazakhstan. Right now, it seems like Kazakhstan is really in a tricky position geopolitically. They, they're physically between China and Russia. 
Um, they're a key asset for China, not only for their Belt and Road, uh, you know, delivery essentially of of export goods into the EU, but they have a ton of oil and they have um, a lot of uranium that China needs. Okay, so this this crucial supplier of uranium is in a fragile position, and anytime we have a market that uh, a commodities market that relies on such a huge player that is in a fragile position, I definitely take note, and this is. The, the theory is not that Kazakhstan will be cut off from the West, okay? But the theory is it's becoming increasingly likely that it'll be more difficult for the West to acquire uranium from Kazakhstan. So going forward, what does that look like? Who benefits from this? First of all, this situation is not going to reverse when it comes to uh, Russia being cut off from the West. I really don't see this happening. I mean, it would take a miracle I want the conflict to end. I want peace to prevail, but I don't think Russia is going to be forgiven by the West and things are going to go back to business as, as usual. So for the uranium investment thesis and what I've highlighted a number of times in this podcast and really drilled down into in the last webinar was looking at the Western demand for uranium, especially in enrichment and the Western capacity for enrichment. So what that means is we're going to see a big, big jump in U308 demand because of that limited enrichment capacity and the time it's going to take to expand that enrichment capacity. Now, if we actually see further difficulty in having physical delivery of U308 coming from Kazakhstan to the West, that's going to benefit other players. That's going to benefit Namibia. It's going to benefit Niger. It's going to benefit Canada. It's going to benefit the United States. It's going to benefit Australia. So the producers in those regions, I think, are, are looking increasingly attractive. And the further that this goes on, the more solidified this bifurcated market becomes. And the more important it is to understand what that means. And I've talked about this multiple times. And I'm going to tell you that the numbers that we're looking at here for increased demand is quite shocking. So this bifurcation is going to stick, in my opinion. And when the largest producer of this crucial commodity is in a very sticky situation between um, two world superpowers that neither are very friendly to the West for the most part, especially Russia right now. China, historically speaking, has not uh, has not been the go-to uh, from the West in terms of dealing with geopolitically. There's certainly a lot of issues there. Uh, I mean, it's, it's essentially a communist country. There's... Um, human rights atrocities being committed there currently and ongoing. So, you know, there's a lot of a lot of places that don't want to do business with China. And certainly there's the potential for any sort of ESG type leaning nuclear utilities and not to want to do business with them either. It's just getting messy. And this situation is ripe to explode. Um, and this is why we want to be positioned here. Now, obviously, as I've stated in the past months, we've got um, pretty obvious markers, recessionary markers and risk off markers across most markets. And we could get coupled with that today. We did. So um, the buying opportunities are certainly here, but you know, it's, it's only a matter of time here before this really takes off. And that's not even, that's not relying on Kazakhstan getting kind of cut off from the West. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that this particular commodity supply chain is uh, complicated to begin with. And that's when everything is running smoothly. So it's only getting more complicated and more fragile with each passing week. And uh, this continues to uh, to go in that direction. So that's what we're set up for. 
All right. I hope you all have a great weekend. That was definitely a rough way to end the week. Not looking good going into next week, all things considered, but we are reaching pretty oversold levels on the charts. Um, the dollar is literally shooting into the stratosphere. Um, that obviously cannot last for that long. It's crushing other commodities right now, which is a major, major problem for many countries. Uh, just really messy out there, guys. So uh, definitely take care, be defensive, and uh, and don't miss opportunities when they come because we're 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 another day, one or two more days like this. We're back at literally March 2020 lows in terms of the RSI and the fear index. So. Um, those moments don't come very often. And if you have the fortitude to act opposite your emotions, typically you'll be rewarded in the long run. And that's a very difficult thing for investors to do, but that's what superior investors to quote, uh, Howard Marks, that's how they operate. They don't follow trends. They act opposite of the, the prevailing narrative and the prevailing emotional state. So, uh, just a, a little word, little word, words of wisdom there to end the week and hope you're well, I will see you again next week. Cheers.